Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. The Gospel from Luke, the 19th chapter, The Triumphant Arrival in Jerusalem. When Jesus came near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. From the Gospel of Luke, as the preparations are made for the Passover supper. When the hour came, he took his place at the table, and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took the loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is, go- is going as it has been determined, but woe to the one by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to ask one another which one of them it could be who would do this. The story continues later that evening. Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And he said to them, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. When he had reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into this time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. 
In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with a sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple police, and the elders who had come for him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then about an hour later still, another kept insisting, Surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peterson said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Well, grace and peace to you, my siblings in Christ. Got a question for you. What makes a really good friend? Come on, what, what, would, what makes a good characteristic for a friend? Yes, uh, do they, they play dress up with you and play in the clay? Uh, so what are some, some examples? What are the characteristics that you look for in friendship? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, thanks, Grayson. None of you have friends. Honesty, thank you. Caring, loyal. Listener, what was this one? Trustworthy, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are great characteristics of a friend. I don't have any pictures of the two of them fighting, but it wouldn't be that hard to get it. So now I want you to think about, put your other hat on. Like, what are the characteristics when you're like, when your friend maybe isn't behaving the way that you would like them? What are some of the characteristics where you're like, I wish my friend wasn't acting like this right now? Well, yeah, before you get to the forgiveness, I know you're jumping right ahead of me. I love the forgiveness part, but like, what are the behaviors that you would need to forgive, perhaps? Disappointment, yeah, lying. Whining, oh, yeah. Don't, the whining, that was a little venomous, wasn't it? All right. <laughs> What? Ghosting. Wow, man, we are in 2022, aren't we? <laughs> Some of you are still like, what does that mean? Okay, so like ghosting, like you don't even know, uh, I don't know you anymore, right? 
What else? That betrayal. Oh, yeah, now you're... Thank you for foreshadowing for me. That was great. Okay, some of you read ahead. So I think that some of these characteristics, especially with friendship, often can be conveyed to how we think about our relationships as, as disciples, too. So thinking maybe the same characteristics would go with, like, what would be a good disciple? A lot of those characteristics would get lifted up. Or, you know, a bad disciple, like maybe a not-quite-so-reliable disciple. And oftentimes this might get placed as being, like, either you're good or you're bad. But then oftentimes maybe the criteria and the rules for that aren't always the same. I, I often hear someone say, well, well, you're a good Christian because dot, 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 you know, or you're, ooh, not a very good Christian over there, a bad Christian. And I wonder what's our criteria. Why do we have some of those judgments that we place upon other people? And what are some of the characteristics that we put on a good or a bad Christian? Because I don't think they're quite as easy to define. And we've probably all witnessed someone whose behavior didn't quite line up with what we would have considered, you know, good Christian behavior. Often what we're displaying on the outside doesn't always translate to what's on the inside. But also conversely, what we do when we judge others solely on what we see on the outside might not actually give us a true uh, glance at what's on that person's heart. And so that's where I know I've been challenged the most. When I want to lift myself up, especially put myself on that pedestal of, oh, I'm a good Christian, and I'm, I don't think that when I do that, I'm doing my faith uh, enough justice. And so, fortunately for us, the Bible is full of great examples of disciples who kind of haven't really figured it out the right way. And so we, as we are called to minister to this world, as we are called to be on a mission, as we are disciples in this world, that can often lead to some missteps and mistakes along the way. And when the gospel accounts were written down, fortunately for us, the gospel writers didn't scrub all of the bad stories out. They left them all in there. So we get all the great stories of all these disciples at their best and their worst. For example, James and John, right? James and John, the sons of thunder. These are like the two best disciples, right? Just ask them. (laughs) Jesus, we want to be on your right and left. And Jesus is like, (laughs) sure, do you know what that means? Like that means if you're right next to me, are you ready to go in and face the consequences of what that's going to be? Yeah, yeah, you may be on the inner circle, but when they're arguing over who's the best disciple, Jesus puts them somewhere. He puts them in their place. He says being a disciple is about serving the world, not about the world serving you. How about Thomas? When I say the name Thomas, what do you think? Doubting Thomas. Great name, right? Who wants to be known as Doubting Thomas? I know I don't. But I do want to stand up for Thomas because, you know, in in John's gospel, Jesus is trying to explain, hey, I'm going to be gone, and when I'm gone, I think you need to know that good things are going to happen, and don't worry, because I'm going to a place and I'm going to prepare it for you. And you know the way. And and Thomas is like, Jesus, we have no idea where you're going. How could we know the way? And without asking that question, without Thomas's really helpful question to help kind of kick the story along, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Wow, what a powerful verse that we don't get if Thomas doesn't ask the question that maybe we would be afraid to ask. What about Peter? I mean, Peter is like, the model disciple, isn't he? He's never messed up ever. 
like, just wait a minute. Because the one second where he's like, you know, Jesus goes, hey, Peter, who do people say that I am? And, and Peter's like, well, you are the Messiah. Literally, like, three breaths later, Peter is told, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> this is not exactly the best thing to be told by Jesus. And then what did we just hear? What was the story that we just heard about Peter? Well, I think we all heard the story about him betraying, or him saying three times, I don't know Jesus. But there's one nugget at the very beginning of that story that I bet you just didn't even process was being said by Peter. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Okay. Prove it. Does Jesus look at Peter and say, yeah, I believe you? Does he say, okay, we'll walk the walk? No, he says, Peter, I, I believe your energy and enthusiasm, but I know you're not quite ready for this. You're not up for it. Why does Peter deny knowing Jesus? Not once, not twice, but three times. It's because it makes for a better story? It's because in the face of that danger, in the face of actually living that out and saying, yeah, I know Jesus, he knew he'd get arrested. He'd be thrown in prison and he'd face the same fate as Jesus. He wasn't ready for it. Because admitting that he knew Jesus was not something that he could take that step and do. The rooster crows, and Peter realizes what he's done, and he weeps bitterly. He knows he's betrayed Jesus. But I wonder, does he really have a choice? I mean, what would we have done in that moment? I mean, seriously, Peter says this line, but he wasn't really ready to do it. He was scared, and I, I can't say that I blame him. Because being a follower of Jesus, it is, it is hard work. Because we fail all the time. We don't live up to those expectations that we have for ourselves. We don't live up to the expectations that we know God has for us. And we surely don't live up to those expectations of others. Does Peter failing to do this promise mean that he's a failure? Is he worthless? Is he useless? Is he unforgivable? We know it's not true. Maybe in our hearts. But sometimes I think our head gets in the way. We want to justify our bad behaviors. We, we want to justify even in ourselves that, that sacrifice of Christ on the cross really is too good to be true. And so we make excuses. And instead of finding judgment, guilt, and shame in the stories of James and John and Thomas and Peter, what if we reframed them? What if instead of focusing on that, we asked ourselves the question, especially going into this Holy Week, where do we find the grace? Where do we find the peace? And where do we find the meaning in the passion story? Because it's really easy to beat those guys up. But without those stories, where would we be? Jesus died on the cross because of the sons of thunder, James and John, even with their big egos. 
Jesus died on the cross even for that doubting Thomas and the denying Peter. And even the traitor. Yeah. Even him. Jesus died on the cross. For you and me, whether we're good or bad, those are just, lo- those are just labels, folks. Surface level. That's not what saves us. What saves us is the grace and mercy of God. We began today with the celebration with those palms being placed for Jesus riding into town. And we think about that glorious empty tomb on Easter morning. But there's a pretty important story that happens between today and next Sunday. It's a story about how we have let down a friend. We've abandoned him. We've walked away. In fear, that friend has not given up on us. That friend will do all of these things, all of the stories that we're about to hear because that friend loves us. So what a friend. What a great friend we have in Jesus. Amen. The story from Luke continues the next morning. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, gathered together, and they brought him to their council. They said, If you are the Messiah, tell us. He replied, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I question you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. All of them asked, Are you then the Son of God? He said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, You say so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man. But they were insistent and said, He stirs up the people by teaching throughout all of Judea, from Galilee, where he began, even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then he put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. 
That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people, and here I have examined him in your presence, and have found and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Then they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow! Release Barabbas for us! This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder. And he handed Jesus over as they wished. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also, who were criminals, were led away to be, to, to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he, have, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not fear God. Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for the spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching these things. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.